0: Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Your dreams were your ticket out. Glad you are here for round number two. To that same old place that you laughed
1: about.
2: Tuesday morning edition, Watchdog Morning, day morning day. Show. It is 8.09, nine minutes after the hour. we got a lot to do in this hour. First hour was the fun and food hour. i got to turn attention here to a lot of political stuff coming up in this hour of the show. Uh, our national correspondent, Tom Scattery, is in. In only a couple of minutes, he and I will be talking about... Uh, the federal shutdown, Kevin McCarthy's future, some things happening in uh, the Ukraine, all of that coming up with uh, Tom in a minute or two. And then also uh, at 8.40 or so, uh, William R. Glenn Elliott coming in. I want to talk about that uh, gaming center in uh, Woodsdale. Uh, also, Parkersburg recently approved a uh, uh, an ordinance that prevents people from camping on public property, kind of aimed at getting the homeless off the streets. Uh, will the city of Wheeling be following suit with something like that? We'll talk about that coming up later on as well. So busy hour uh, politically in this hour. Right now, still 58 at the airport, 56 at the Highlands, uh, 57 in Elm Grove, and 58 degrees here at the Robinson Ottergrove Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. It's going to be sunny with a high around 82 or so today and pretty much the same for the next couple of days. Start to drop down on Thursday, some rain on Friday and Saturday mornings mainly. But by, uh, by the midweekend, we're going to be in the 50s, so it's going to feel certainly uh, very, very uh, cool this weekend. Bob uh, RFK Jr., as I mentioned, is going uh, cons- is considering. he's all currently running, and he is the, the of course the son of uh, Bobby Kennedy. Uh, he is considering running as an independent candidate for president. Um, he hasn't done a lot uh, made a lot of noise as a Democrat candidate. He feels he can do better as an independent candidate. My question to you, Joe Manchin's been thinking about running as an independent candidate on the, on the no labels ticket. Uh, you got Biden, you got Trump. Let's assume those are the two. We both say that maybe that won't be the case. Let's assume those are the two. And then you got uh, now RFK Jr. is in the mix. Um, and Joe Manchin is thinking about running uh, as an independent candidate for president under the no labels ticket. Which would be a third party. So now you'd have Biden, you'd have Trump, you would have uh, you'd have um, uh, RFK Jr., and what does what does Joe Manchin do? Does this, Bob, in your opinion, change what Manchin's thinking ought to be? Now, if there would be another independent candidate already in there.
0: Well, I think what Joe's thinking and what Joe says is entirely two different things. I think what Joe is thinking is this. In his close circles, he's saying, you know what? That Mancham name was big in West Virginia, and I did well with it. If I had his name, I would be the next president of the United States, but he's a cuckoo, and I'm not worried about him.
2: (laughs) But the question is,
0: who do they pull from? You know, uh, no. Have you listened to Kennedy, Howard? I mean, I know you're a Kennedy oh, guy. No, Kennedy, no, 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 Kennedy. No, no, no. Give me some more Kennedy. No. That guy is certifiably he, he's nuts. A loon.
2: He's a loon. I'm completely with you. He's absolute loon. Well, actually, not an absolute loon, but he's uh, pretty much a loon. Okay, he's pretty much a loon. No, I, the Kennedy name, actually, that scares me. I, I have a story here uh, on this subject. And several of the people who were interviewed said, well, he's a Kennedy. I will vote for Kennedy's because he's a Kennedy. Holy crap. You know, that's I mean, but he's the crazy Kennedy. You know, you know, that's my opinion. But but politically, I'm analyzing this politically. If RFK Jr. is in the mix, his own his polling, his polling says that he would pull from Trump. I'm not so sure that's the case. Um, his- Are we
0: talking three percent, five percent?
2: If there is if there is no well, the 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 poll that was released by by RFK Jr.'s uh, pack this week, forty percent for Trump, thirty eight for Biden, and seventeen percent I think it is for a generic independent candidate. But if you turn the generic into RFK Jr., now it becomes thirty eight for Trump and thirty eight for Biden. So he takes a few points away from from Trump, and but he still has like 18 19%. Uh, the key thing to remember is third-party candidates never run to win. They only run to spoil. They're spoilers. That's all they are. But I, I, if I'm Manchin, I'm thinking, I, I, I don't think he's, I mean, I think it's only a little part of his consideration anyways is this third-party ticket. But I'm thinking he's got to be thinking, uh, if there's somebody else in there, could I beat RFK Jr.? Yeah, but what does it do to the whole race i, I think he, i think it just would mess things up too much i think it it would probably foreclose a mansion uh run but I, I don't i don't know because nobody can figure out what joe manchin is thinking so i don't know
0: and, and you're really going up against the name there at the end of the day i think debates i think that's where debates are really critical when you say okay rfk junior that you say is that him i mean really he really believes that stuff so yeah. There, there, long way to go, Howard, I don't think that I don't think he's a factor. I really don't. Uh,
2: and again, I, just, I, I, I have the wrong story in front of me here. but yeah, uh, it, one of the stories I read yesterday, people ask about general, you know, the general public, oh oh, if he was a, if, if there was a Kennedy and I love JFK. If there's a Kennedy in the, well, this isn't JFK. This is a loon. Kind of. 814. he's not a loon. He's a good political analyst and Tom uh, Scateri is coming up next.
3: Ready, set, go get your Toyota today. Check out Toyota's wide range of all-wheel and four-wheel drive vehicles, like a sporty Camry
4: or a stylish Corolla, both with great MPGs. Or come in and test drive a new RAV4, Highlander, or Corolla Cross, each with plenty of cargo room, so you can be ready for any adventure. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals. Hurry, offers end April 4th. Toyota, let's go places. The owners of First Choice Realtors are excited to announce they are now accepting applications for new real estate agents. The expert staff of First Choice Realtors will provide assistance to all applicants toward a successful pathway to a new career. First Choice Compensation Package for existing real estate agents is now offering up to 80% commission. Hurry and call now. 100% guaranteed application acceptance. 304-242-9601.
3: Need a new suit? Looking for a good book? Searching for a unique gift? The Ohio Valley's premier shopping choice is the Highlands. Find jewelry, hot new tech, arts and crafts, over two dozen stores to visit. From Walmart and Target to Cabela's, Menards, Kohl's, and Old Navy. Plan a day
2: out of shopping, dining, and entertainment at the Highlands. At the top of the hill off I-70. See it all online at hitthehighlands.com. Everyone
4: appreciates the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe,
1: even
0: Governor Justice.
1: Howard, you're a good man, and I appreciate all you do every day.
0: Thank you, sir. Weekdays, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Watchdog. He has
2: his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine.
3: I've seen fire and I've seen rain Seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I seen lonely times when I could not
2: find a friend, but I always
3: thought that I'd see you again.
2: You know, we are not technically in the equal time period yet, so we're not required to offer equal time, but um You know, we play that thing where Governor Justice says nice things about me. And, of course, his opponent in the Republican primary for uh, the U.S. Senate is uh, Alex Mooney. Should we should we call Mooney and, and offer him, if he would like to call in and say nice things about me, we'd make a promo with him, too? Well, what the version would that
0: be? Uh, Howard Monroe in the morning show, I hate his guts, and no, that no, guy, slide, I hate him even worse. <laughs> no,
2: we can't do that, no. He hung up on me last time, and <laughs> he, he said I was embarrassing to the country last time. Um, I surely do love you. I'm just thinking, you know, it's or equal time. Please tune in. But please tune in and listen to him. Tom Scutari is with us, our national correspondent, and political discussion today. Good morning, Tom.
5: Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? Good. I don't know if you heard me
2: mentioning so, earlier. You
5: know, you, just 30 seconds. I was listening to you. Yeah, third that third third party thing, Howard. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's are what, what I want. What, what what's
2: your thought on this?
5: Well you may not know this but I was a when I was at USA today one of my beats which I really enjoyed was covering third party and independent candidates at a referendum and I learned a lot about the system and first of all you pointed out some things that are extremely accurate most third party or independent candidates have little chance of winning regardless of whether they're a loon or not because <laughs> of the way the political structure is set up right you know you have to win at electoral college votes to win that means winning states and it's, it's stacked against you to get on the ballot and everything like that. I won't go into it, but it's really hard to even make progress. As for, John, for for Kennedy being in a debate, that might be a long shot as well because the two parties used to control who goes into the presidential debates, and then you want third party candidates in. Right. So, you, you know, now I will, my contrarian instinct in this, forgetting about who the candidate is, there are polls, and I'm skeptical of polls, but there are polls that show that American voters are unhappy with Trump and Biden running again. Okay, so there's a unhappiness there's a, across party lines that these are the two candidates. That would tell me that the field is strong for a third-party candidate who somehow could you know, unite the dissatisfied voters across the party lines. I'm going to harken back to 2000 when John McCain ran against George Bush for the Republican nomination and didn't win, of course. But at the time, the Reform Party was a strong, viable third party because of Ross Perot's performance. Right. They were courting McCain to run as their nominee. If McCain would have run with the right vice president so candidate, perhaps even Jesse Ventura, who at the time was a very popular third-party governor of Minnesota, that may have been one of those elections that could have been a pivot point. Maybe, because McCain was very popular among voters of both parties. That's a rarity. You know, Nader ran that year, got a lot of votes, didn't win any states.
2: Yeah, I think in order for that to happen, a couple of things. For a third-party candidate, or first place, There's t- I don't like that because the phrase isn't really a third-party candidate. For an independent candidate to run, a uh, couple of things have to happen. Number one, it has to be a highly identifiable candidate. Exactly. John McCain would be perfect. This guy was a quote real politician. I mean he was a real politician, a real candidate you had to, you, you could not not consider him. Uh, Ralph Nader, uh, Jesse Ventura, uh, 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 RFK Jr they're not of that stature. Uh, so that that creates a problem. The other thing is I think you can't do it in one election. you've got to the, 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 the candidates have got to the, the concept of an actual third option has got to grow on the American public and I don't think it's grown yet. you are right nobody wants Trump and Biden. I mean, even those right. of us in our own parties, neither one, I want them. Um, right. But but, but, but when the time comes, will right. we be realistic and vote for Trump or Biden because that's honestly the real choice, or will we go for right. a third party?
5: Um, yeah, you put that, the other thing, that's the other thing you put your finger on, Howard. If polls will show, oh, yeah, we want a third party candidate, an independent candidate, whatever you want to call that candidate. of the voters, 30% of the voters. But when it comes down to voting, when they see who that person is, uh, or as you said, they realize in their mind it's a wasted vote. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying in their minds it is. They'll vote for either the Democrat or the Republican or stay home.
2: Yeah, and if it's an election, which this one is perceived to be, that is a real uh, vote on critical ideologies and directions of the country, you almost don't want to stand a vote. At least speaking for myself, you don't want to take a vote on principle when more important is a vote to put the right person in office. You know, if you got two candidates, sort of both the same, maybe they're both wishy-washy. You don't like either one, but they're but they're neither one would be terrible. Uh, I think in this case, you've got folks who, who think that... <laughs> We're know,
4: both would be equally
2: terrible. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So um, the thing I'll say about Joe Manchin, who is who has been talking about considering a third-party run under the no-labels ticket, and RFK Jr., as I was reading a bit about uh, Kennedy yesterday, they both are articulating pretty much the same philosophical message. The American people want... A different kind of candidate. They want people more willing to look across the aisle. Uh, both K- uh, Kennedy and Manchin have talked about the Democratic Party has left them, has moved too far away from their roots. So the two of them represent somewhat the same philosophy. Um, so again, if they were by any bizarre chance to both run, I think they'd almost uh, equal each other out. But uh, we'll see. I guess RFK Jr. is going to make his announcement, I think I heard, on Friday. And then we'll see what happens mm-hmm. after that. And of course, Joe Manchin has continued to say he'll make his mind up when, when he's good and ready. I guess is what he's been yeah. saying. Let's go well, to Captain.
5: You, know, the, you know, no labels. Uh, if if someone goes and helps runs with no labels, at least they have the help there of getting on the ballot with yes. no labels. But again, it's kind of a long shot.
2: Yeah, and that, that's the, that's the thing too. You you have to get You have to have ballot access to begin with. Um, yeah, and no label is, is at least smart enough to know that that's the first hurdle they have to uh, mm-hmm. they have to jump over. Let's go to uh, let's go to the nation's capital for a minute or two. How much trouble is uh, Kevin McCarthy in?
5: I think he's in trouble. Uh, I mean, you know, he, you know how long it took him to get elected Speaker, yep. and he's kind of come to a moment in his own head. I think. Let's let me back up. McCarthy's not well liked by Democrats or Republicans. Okay, so. He's not having sort of the magnanimous what's-help-out-Kevin type of feeling up there. Uh, It's real transactional. You know, he has this faction of 10 or so Republicans in his own party who want to invoke something called the Hastrick rule. It's not a rule. It came under when Denny Hastrick was a Republican Speaker of the House, where he, Hastrick promised his malcontents that they would bring no bill to the floor that didn't have the majority of the majority. In other words, The majority of Republicans have to agree on funding for Ukraine, let's say, before that bill can come to the floor. He didn't do that on the deal he made over the weekend to keep the government going. And so that's irritated some of these malcontent Republicans. Um, You know, they they could call for a motion to vacate the chair, I think it's called, and they have to vote on the speakership like you saw at the beginning of the year, beginning of the term. And you know how long that took. So the question would be then, what do the Democrats do? Right. Uh, you know they helped house it out on on the budget to keep the government open which is critical McCarthy. Well, they they, helped m- they keep help keep McCarthy they helped, m- they helped McCarthy out on the budget yeah right yeah so you know um, it's up they have some power here the question is what how do they want to wield it
2: you want, to, want to hazard a guess because I just I'm not sure which way they're going to go
5: well I can't I was thinking about that over the weekend because you know it was really a big deal to me since the government's going to stay open as and, and for you. I I think that, you know, they could really at this point, because McCarthy's angry at these Republicans who are making his life miserable, that he may be open to some moderate, my word, moderate, moderate um, deals with the Democrats, you know, X number of dollars for Ukraine and that kind of thing. Um, And he may just do it, you know, and, and with the promise that they'll have enough votes to keep him a speaker. And so, you know, what the Democrats could do is let all the Republicans vote on the speaker thing. And uh, how many votes does he need? He needs 20 votes of speaker. Then 21 Democrats will vote for him. You, know, you already have it lined up who will do it mm. in safe the safe districts or whatever. You know, I mean, there's ways to do that. And, you know, we're explaining it away. It's just politics, you know. <laughs> it, it,
2: it seems like there will be a vote. I, I do think it's important to point out I, I some folks, I think, get the impression that a motion to vacate simply throws him out. It only calls for a vote. Uh, it's, a vote uh, right. it's not like, you know, I keep hearing this, any one Republican can throw him out. No, any one Republican under this deal that they made can place a motion to vacate on the floor. But then you have to vote on it before he, uh, whether he stays a speaker or not. What about the shutdown itself? It was averted. That's a good thing. I think Kevin McCarthy honestly put his reputation a bit on the line here and, and was willing to take the flag. Yes. You know, he told Matt Gates essentially, hey, bring it on if you want to bring it on. But what happens now? I mean, we only have uh, about 40 days left before we have to do it again. What happens now?
5: I think what's going to happen is, is clearly a guess because, as you know, that's not my primary beat. I think what will probably happen is uh, one of two paths. One is they'll bring these controversial bills up separately, aid for Ukraine, the border issue, and, and try to get those to the House and see if the Senate will go along with it. Or uh, McConnell and, and the senators get together with their House leaders. Again, this kind of goes back to our last argument. How does McCarthy want to proceed? Is he just going to go, you know, darn the torpedoes, full speed ahead approach, and just know that the Democrats are going to back him for Speaker uh, and get an actual, you know, longer term money bill post? Now, the other alternative is to try to push through each spending bill, 14 spending bills, uh, you know, through the House and then through the Senate. That is not impossible, and again, I'm going to go back to my grand compromise. You know, the Democrats may want to do that as well, kind of get the government going for the sake of the country and for Ukraine and other issues that are important to them. It's really going to come down to what happens between the Democrats and McCarthy in the House, because the Senate seems more bipartisan on a lot of these money bills. Right. The only thing holding up in the Senate really is, you know, the whole thing about Promotions of, of military officers, those kind of things. That, that's not related. It's important, but it's not related to the, the money aspects of the government.
2: Well, let's talk about the money aspects, and let's get back to your regular beat, which is the uh, Pentagon and the Defense Department, and so on. Um, a, a, a sticking point, although it was accepted by the Democrats right now, was no more ma- no more aid for Ukraine in the uh, in the, sh- the temporary budget bill. Uh, but there's yeah. there's a lot of questions out there about. How much aid have we given? How much aid have they received? How much aid do they need? I mean, there are a lot of yeah. question marks around the dollars and cents of this.
5: There's a lot of question marks, and, and I'll, try to, I'll, I'll try to go through them without losing, you know, listeners, because there are numbers. Generally speaking, uh, the number that the U.S. has committed has provided this is both military and other aid: seventy-three billion dollars in aid to Ukraine, comparative to the, what the European Union nations. 89 billion. So the U.S. is, you know, as a nation, way out of front. Now, here's where it gets kind of tricky. Uh, that 73 billion is basically money already delivered directly to Ukraine. You'll see other estimates for money: 100 billion, 135 billion. And what they show is money requested by the White House, but not necessarily delivered. And that includes money, Howard, for U.S. forces and Poland and elsewhere, for example, aid to NATO allies and Things that don't appear in is a direct aid to Ukraine, but it's related to Ukraine. So that's why you get these competing numbers. So I use 73 billion as the number. Now, the Pentagon has two ways of funding their programs. One is called Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. That's where Congress passed money on that 25, almost 26 billion on that. Okay, I'm sorry, that's not right. They passed uh, money. That money is the contract out for new things. In other words, if they're out of stingers, we pay company X to build new stingers on a contract, and that's that fund. There's also the drawdown authority that you and I talk about the most, where, hey, we have these high mar missiles in our stocks that we can give to Ukraine. We send those to them off the shelf. Then there's money to replenish those stocks, right. those two different things. There's about $1.6 left in that.
2: So uh, and and then further further aid is being held up in the budget right now.
5: Yes, that's right. And uh, word is yesterday that uh, word is yesterday that uh, the Biden administration wants to announce another aid package this week based on what's left in the pot. Next week, Austin is to go to uh, Belgium for a meeting of the Ukraine Contact Group in NATO, and you know he wants to be able to say that he keeps telling everyone to dig deeper. It's going to be very embarrassing for him to show up in Brussels next week after the U.S. Has rejected the last attempt to fund Ukraine. You going with him? Fingers crossed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Little in- international trip for Tommy Boy. All right, that sounds good. Yeah.
5: Hey, yeah. Uh, Tom, I'm
2: I'm short of time today because I have another guest coming up, but okay. I I did I, I did want to so Just the loud. Russia's got Russia has some newer tanks. And, you know, we probably all have gone through this from time to time. You get something new and it doesn't work quite right, and you do a lot of things to it. But in the end, in the end, well, what did they do when their tank wasn't working right? What did they do?
5: So, you know, Ukraine has been very resourceful up and down with weapons, their own and others. They've captured a lot of Russian tanks. Some of the newer ones that they don't know about, you know, they don't have because they left the Soviet Union. So they were trying to repair one of them, and one of the repair guys from Ukraine Called essentially called the one eight hundred number. It's not that It's <laughs> Called the company where they make this bank. You know, and they, he got a hold of one of the engineers and they were explaining to guys going through his questions and he answered them all and then he couldn't. He, he referred to a supervisor who answered the last one. So it was like a helpline that actually helped. And at the very end at the very end the the second the supervisor says to him. So you know where are you calling from? And he goes, oh, you know, Kiev or something like that. And the guy goes, you're kidding me! Starts laughing and hangs
2: up. You You have reached the uh, you have reached the tank hotline. How may I help you? You know, press one. one, Press one if the (laughs) press one if the uh, treads aren't working. Press two. (laughs) (laughs) Press zero if you're from
5: Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
2: right. uh, So so sometimes the helpline helps, huh?
5: It sure did. <laughs> oh,
2: my heavens. All right. Hey, Tom, I appreciate it. I guess we'll have to wait and see if we talk to you next week. Good luck if you yep. get uh, if you get uh, on a trip. Have good travels and good reportage, and we will talk to you either next week or the following week.
5: Thanks, Howard. Bye-bye.
2: Talk to you soon. Tom Scutari national correspondent, uh, heading off uh, probably with the uh, uh, defense secretary next week on an international trip. It's eight thirty-four twenty-six 26 to the hour. Before I um, break, Bob, we talked last hour about um, Augusto's pizza. Our friend Rick Healy says Augusto's was in Moundsville. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate that. So I, I knew I recognized the name. but I didn't quite know where it was. And what was the other one? pink?
0: Was that the pink, pink door?
2: Pink door. And you said that was in Moundsville, too.
0: I believe so. Yeah. All
2: right. Uh, Mary Elliott is going to join us coming up next year on the Watchdog Morning Show. It's 835. Taylor is here with Ohio Valley Headlines.
1: Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your seven news headlines on this October the 3rd. We get right to breaking news. Officials in New York said the nine year old girl who went missing just days ago has been found alive and safe. New York Governor Kathy Hochul provided an update overnight on Charlotte Cena, who disappeared on a bike ride while at a state park with her family. After that, officials said it was an intense days long search. They say they found Charlotte alive. The governor described the timeline of how a ransom note was left at her home. New York officials are still investigating. We don't have all the pieces together right now. We'll share more details with you as they become available. And back here at home, one person is dead this morning after a motorcycle crash on Route 2 in West Virginia. Officers say they responded to a crash between a motorcycle and a car at the intersection of State Route 2 and 24th Street in Wellsburg. They say 37-year-old John Joseph William Miller was on a motorcycle when he attempted to pass a vehicle on the right while traveling north. The passenger vehicle tried to turn right at the same point when both vehicles collided. Miller was thrown from the motorcycle and died instantly. And staying in Brook County at last night's council meeting, Fallensby officials talked about future traffic concerns. Back in May, the West Virginia Division of Highways proposed a plan to remove traffic lights from four main intersections in Fallinsby. Those four lights are at the intersection of Main and State Streets, Main and Ohio Streets, Main and Raymond, and the entrance to the Coke plant. The West Virginia Division of Highways responded last Friday saying they are going to shut these lights down. This change has Mayor David Veligal worried. The mayor's next steps include talking with higher officials and even starting petitions to keep these lights open, especially due to the amount of traffic coming in from Route 2 to new businesses coming in the area. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you.
6: Athletics.
7: At Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've completely overhauled our process to shorten the time from harvest to home, giving you more time to enjoy your tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So whether you're shopping in-store, picking up, or prefer delivery, we're committed to bringing you the freshest produce possible. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With an open date on
6: the Mountaineer football schedule, what do you say we take a look at what else is going on in the Big 12 football conference? Specifically, let's set our eyes on the four newcomers who are making their way into the league. Well, it's interesting to note that three of the four newbies occupy the bottom three spots in the conference standings, talking about UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. They are each 0-2 in league play. The outlier so far is BYU. The Cougars are mired in a logjam of six different teams with a 1-1 record. It should be noted that BYU's league win actually came against Cincinnati last Friday, so none of the newcomers has actually won a game yet against any of the incumbent members. Okay, so even though it is early, what have we seen so far from the group of four? Well, It hasn't been easy to score. Cincinnati and Houston are averaging under 19 points in league play while they're giving up 35 points per game. Now, UCF's defense has really struggled in its two conference games. They have given up the most points of any team in the Big 12. They're allowing 40 points per game. That's against Kansas State and Baylor. Now, that loss to the Bears this past Saturday could leave a scar they blew a 35-7 to lead, allowed 29 unanswered points. It will be interesting to see if that was just a one-time, mind-blowing occurrence or perhaps if the physicality actually will wear the Knights down late in game, something that we will watch throughout the course of this season. One program note, there will not be a Neil Brown show this week with the Mountaineers open date. We'll be back with you with the Neil Brown show next Tuesday. That is today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield.
2: If you or a loved one have been seriously injured by someone else's negligence before you choose an attorney, remember the right attorney can make a difference. Ask your friends, your family, your neighbors about Gold Corey and Torak, the law firm with a track record of handling tough cases. Combining over 100 years of legal experience, Gold Corey and Torak offers their expert service in the tri-state area of Ohio, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. Wondering if you can afford an attorney? The answer is yes, because Gold Corey and Torak are only paid after they win your case. So these are a few of the reasons why thousands of people in our Ohio Valley put their trust in the hands of Gold, Corey, and Torek. Now you head on over to gkt.com, schedule a free consultation, or contact someone 24 hours a day using their live chat agent. The right attorney can make a difference. Gold, Corey, and Torek.
4: The coffee is brewed, phone lines are open, and the morning team is ready to roll from the Robinson Auto Group Studios.
2: This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. You went
0: away and left me-
2: y'all can come in well we got an open door policy here at the watchdog and uh what are you saying howard well i'm saying though here's the thing we've got an open door policy y'all come in but uh, but uh, bring food that's (laughs) that's that's our that's our open door policy here on the watchdog 57 wheeling ohio county airport 56 of the highlands 56 in elm grove 58 here at the Robinson Otter Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Really a nice week, sunny, a high of 82 today, uh, pretty much the same thing for tomorrow. Uh, Thursday begin to drop a little bit down to the upper 70s. Some rain on Friday and Saturday mornings, and the temperatures will drop till we get into the 50s. Over the weekend should be a good Ogilvy Fest weekend. Though we might see some rain in the mornings, but other than, other than that, it's going to be a nice day. Uh, temperature in the 50s, perfect for me. That would be perfect Ogilby Fest weather. Maybe a little jacket, a little sweater, or something works out uh, works out uh, just uh, just fine. Welcome to the program, uh, William Mayor Glenn Elliott. Mr. Mayor, good morning.
4: Good morning, Mr. Monroe.
2: I, I just have one thing to say to you. Quack quack quack. Do you feel like a lame duck?
4: <laughs> well, I have noticed, uh, you know, it used to be when I send out an email to council, I'd get a, uh, you know, a, a couple wires, I get a, a response from everybody. Now it's like, you know, they trickle in, the responses <laughs> trickle in. So I think they've already kind of started to write me off.
2: You know, I am really I'm serious about this. I'm curious about your mental thoughts at this stage of your council career. Um, You you are clearly your term limited you're on you will not be able to serve again Uh, You have we now have at least two candidates officially announced. I think there will be more there's gonna be a big race for mayor Are um, are you rushing to try to get things done? Do you that you didn't get done? Do you feel like? Boy, it's yeah, I can I can relax now a bit I mean, I'm just curious how you feel as you head into the home stretch of the last part of your of your term
4: um well there's a lot of feelings you have i mean obviously um uh we're always trying to get stuff done there are at least two projects um uh, two economic development projects that we have been working on that i would like to get at least uh you know uh, you know up and running or at least uh, to get the projects announced before i leave office but you're never going to get everything you want to get done and it's it's a question of Uh, you know limited time and your priorities and uh you know i'll have to i'll wait till i step away from this this position to really uh grade myself on all the things we you know should have done or maybe could have done better but yeah it's a weird time because you're right uh the mayor's race is starting to pick up and that's you know that's all about the future and you know i'm still trying to deal with the present so we have to kind of balance that
2: how are you going to handle the mayor's race you have two of your current colleagues that are running well you have one current colleague running. I still think that Chad Thalman; he hasn't announced, but I think maybe he'll run. If you have a couple of your current colleagues running, what do you do? Just just keep your mouth shut, I guess, right?
4: I uh, you know, I uh, it's it's um, you know, I think a mistake that was made when I ran uh, back in 2015 2016 was the incumbent. My predecessor got maybe a little more involved in that race than he probably wanted to, and you know, I don't want to be, uh, you know, get. I'm very involved in this race. I'll be, I'm not going to be shy about what I think is important going forward. I mean, you know, I think we've seen a lot of progress these last uh, seven plus years and I'm definitely going to want to, it's definitely in my strong interest to see uh, the same approach going, uh, going forward. So I'm not going to be quiet, but I'm definitely, you're not going to see me, you know, on the air, airwaves or out there, you know, being the voice of anyone's campaign, but you know, I'll have some things to say going forward, but you know, <laughs> the next race is not about me, and you know I'm I'm very mindful of that. So, <laughs> but the, ne- um, the next race,
2: yeah. the next race is, and you alluded to this, and we've talked yeah. about this on the radio show here. The next race is going to be a critical race. Um, we have obviously an open mayor's seat. We'll have at least one open council seat, and I think perhaps as many as three open council seats. I don't yeah. know that for sure, which means that there could be a whole new complexion to council and to the mayor's uh, chair. Uh, this council. Uh, the position some of the people have changed over the last what seven years or whatever, but but basically have had a pretty consistent philosophy going forward. Uh, it's going to be important, I think, to the people of the city of Wheeling to decide do they want to continue the philosophy you and the folks that you've been working with uh, have envisioned, or do they want to change? I mean, this is going to be, I think, a really critical election.
4: Well, you know, I tend to think as well. I mean, what. Uh, I think if you look back at the past seven years, and you're right, there has been some turnover on council, but there's been a solid, uh, uh, pretty con- uh, consistent, you know, four or five of us uh, uh, pulling in at least one direction. And I think, you know, what we've tried to do is, you know, focus on some economic development projects, focus on restoring downtown viability. By, by, by That's the way the city's always going to be judged. And it's, you know, for the last 30 years, hadn't been judged very well because of that. Um, at the same time, you know, you have to keep doing the infrastructure investments across the city. We've done more paving and and water and sewer pro, projects during this time than I think anything else. And that's where we spent most of our money. And to me, the important thing is we've also, you know, I think tried to change, uh, you know – uh, make sure that the city reflects who we are as a people. We passed some civil rights ordinances that I think you know had not been priorities for prior council that I'm very proud of. I'd hate to see us take a step back in that regard. Um, you know, we have made Wheeling I think more of the friendly city than uh, uh, to match its billing, and you know I'm very proud of that. And that's, that's definitely something. I think one of the misconceptions about a council I've been on is that we focus too much on that stuff. I think you can walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think a lot of the economic development you've seen is, in some respects, a reflection of us being a more open and inclusive city than maybe we have been seen in the past. So, yeah, it's an important election, Howard. I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with you there. And I certainly hope that whoever is the next mayor will will continue a, a similar push.
2: It is a very different yep. city than uh, that you leave than when you came in. And I mean that in a very positive way. I mean, so much activity downtown in particular, and we have the Streetscape Project. Obviously, we talked to Frank O'Brien yesterday about the Fort Henry, uh, not Fort Henry, the uh, uh, Wheeling Inn Project. Uh, mm-hmm. So much going off in that part of town with the Doris and so on and other housing uh, projects around town. Uh, it, this has been a very, very active six years. I guess six, seven, whatever, the, whatever that number is right now.
4: Yeah, and you know a lot of the projects that have happened have only happened because we've willed them. Um, you know, the, uh, um, you know, we pushed forward. Well, the doors is a great example. That was a former surface of a uh, vacant surface parking lot that looked terrible, uh, you know, right situated, right in the gateway to downtown. And I'll give Vice Mayor Thalman credit for that. Cause we were in a meeting with, with uh, Jeff Loda and his team uh, talking about options and, you know, what are they, they had indicated to us they wanted to do a project but you know where it was you know we hadn't picked a spot a spot yet and vice President came up with that idea we pitched it to them uh, they loved it and now we have a building there where before we had a very ugly unattractive uh, you know a surface parking lot that really didn't serve that much uh, now we have a brand new building coming that you know by this time next year will hopefully be full of people who are walking around spending money in the downtown restaurants you know really making the economy work so you know yeah there's a lot going on i'm looking at my window out at the front of my building where the street is just about to get completely torn up with a storm sewer project and it makes me happy because you know this is this is an investment in the future and there's a lot happening and you know buckle up
2: a couple of things i specific things i wanted to talk to you about yeah. um, one is this uh, gaming center this lvl that's uh, proposed for and yeah. i believe council will tonight vote on a resolution to uh, authorize this LVL in the old Spick and Span cleaners property—that's the way most people would would know it. Uh, council approved council. That's before council tonight, if I'm not wrong. Am I correct?
4: I believe that. Uh, yes, it's on the agenda tonight. Yes.
2: The development committee um, heard about it and talked about it a week or so ago. Mr. Mayor, it seemed like it came out of nowhere, though. I mean, I, I hadn't seen anything about it publicly. I hadn't heard anything about it. I talked to people in the Woodsdale area who said nobody, they didn't know about it. Now, Businesses may or may not, I don't yeah. know, but I talked to individuals who said they were they were a bit surprised. Uh, was I don't want to ask the question, was proper notification given, because I'm sure it was, but was adequate notification given?
4: Um, you know, you have to ask um I found that around the same time a lot of other folks did, um, you know, these things often come to us a week or so after they've been out there. I don't know, you know, what, what was done in this case in terms of notifying the neighborhood, but, uh, this is like a lot of, Oh, we've had during my time in office, a lot of requests for, uh, for LVL parlors. Um, you know, I'll be honest. Do I love LVL parlors? Do I think they're great? No, but they are legal. Uh, they, uh, that area is zoned for them. It's a very commercial area. Um, I think it would be very unusual for council to say no to one there when we have said yes to them across the city. Um, you know, it's not my favorite type of development. I'll be very honest with you there. Um, my favorite type of development would probably would have been to see I've seen someone try to save the old building that was there, but you know that's yeah. that wasn't in the cards. It didn't make sense. So you know, where are where we are? It it, it, but, uh, it
2: yeah. um, <clears throat> the if I understand the way this works, and I remember when this was first passed, maybe it's been modified. Uh, Council, a number of years ago, back in the 80s, I think, uh, chose to regulate LVLs a little bit more aggressively than the state did. And so they put in regulations about how far from other LVLs they could do and so on. The idea was to not have neighborhoods just dotted with LVLs, but also gave to themselves, to council, the ability to for economic development purposes, override that regulation. I don't know if that's quite the technical term to yes. use, but that's basically what it is. Yeah. So that's what's happening here. Is the Development Committee is recommending that this LVL, even though it doesn't meet all the standards, still be given permission. Um, it, it's close to other LVLs, at least one other LVL. It is close to schools, close to the churches, um, and close to a residential area. Uh, and yet the recommendation was, even with all of that and acknowledging all that, let's go ahead and do it. I, I find that a little troublesome, yeah. to be honest with you.
4: Well, I would push back on, on you know, you're talking about one of the most commercially dense areas in the city of Wheeling, Howard, that stretch of Woodsdale. There, it, um, I'll be very honest with you. That stretch of Woodsdale has always bothered me because of the way it's designed. It's been designed only to serve automobiles. It's a very unfriendly pedestrian. If you have ever walked? That light strip there. Ever since they added the fifth lane there in the road, it's taken the sidewalk down to almost nothing. So that's not a very pedestrian dominant area. It's a commercial area. But the fact that it may be geographically, you know, as the crow flies close to a school or a church, it, there are not a lot of people walking there. And, you know, I think it would be, I'm just looking, I'm just trying to be fair here. And, you know, uh, I'll say again. LVLs and, and places that sell beer and, and cigarettes aren't my favorite type of development because, you know, as a community, I don't think they're very healthy for us. I don't think it's the best way to be spending our time or money, but they're legal. Uh, people like them. And, you know, there's nothing in the zoning there that, to me, uh, th- I suggest it's not an appropriate area for it. Um, if it were actually in a residential neighborhood or something where kids actually would be congregating here, it's, it, it, it's maybe different, but this area is a very carbonated a very car ingested area. It's probably the most uh, uh, vehicular road traffic you get anywhere in the city on a given day. uh, To me, it's exactly the type of area you would want to see that. It
2: it is very much a car area, I would agree, although I would push back on your pushback just a little bit. Um, You you frequently see in the afternoon students from Lindsley wandering around, I shouldn't say wandering around, but walking around in that area off the Tim Hortons or off to some other places. I know that uh, when I'm at Tim Hortons, I usually see a whole bunch of Lindsley students coming into that store. So, I mean, there is some pedestrian traffic there. They are students, um, and it is close to other facilities. But um, but council has that ability, and so I guess yeah. it'll, it'll come well, up again, tonight.
4: yeah, I've not spoken to other members of council really about this. This is Councilman Sklavinakis' ward. Um, in my time on council, you know, we always give a little deference to whoever's ward it is. If he has concerns, he hasn't brought them to me yet, I'll... I'll be interested to see if he has any concerns tonight, um, because we'd always, if if he really is opposed to it, because he thinks it doesn't advance the best interests of his ward, then I'll certainly take that into consideration. But no one has reached out to me about this, either pro or con, yet. Um, so it's not something where I think there is a lot of opposition out there but I could be wrong yeah
2: except and I'll, I'll leave it alone this no. <laughs> except that <laughs> I, I'm hearing opposition from individual residents of Woodsdale who said we didn't know about it we didn't know this was coming yeah. we didn't raise an objection because we didn't have something to object to and I think that's uh, I think that's a legitimate concern it may not be a re- legally required notice I, I understand how that works X number of feet yeah. away from the place and you post and I assume all that properly yeah. was properly done. Uh, but still, I talked to a lot of residents who felt that uh, that uh, they weren't uh, even given the courtesy well, of knowing that something like this was coming in.
4: Well, again, it hasn't been voted on yet. So um, uh, folks are welcome to come to council tonight. And anyone on there who signs up to speak on this topic will make sure we let them speak uh, prior to any, any vote. So we haven't voted on it yet. So it's not like it's a done deal yet. I, again, I just uh, – for me, normally if these things are controversial, by this point in the process, I – I've got twenty emails and phone calls and text. I've not heard any of that yet. So you know I'm open to hearing any concerns that they are going to be raised. um, and I'll certainly take what Councilman Sclav uh you know I'll take his his opinion and recommendation tonight into a firm consideration as well. Uh,
2: this this may be out of your purview, but do you know it uh, used to be a dry cleaner? Dry cleaners uh, deal with chemicals. Do you know if an environmental study was done of that property before the plans were to move forward with this?
4: I have no idea. I do know just from the real estate world that dry cleaners are often um, you know, what would be considered a brownfield. But right. I have no idea whether uh, that would be. Uh, d- it depends on the types of chemicals used. I know all, all dry cleaners. All dry cleaners aren't the same in that regard. Some use a certain type of chemical, at least in the 70s and 80s. That is, I forget the exact name of it. That was very, very dangerous. I, I can't speak to that location. I've not seen a report, um, but I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah it might be worth uh, maybe I'll have to ask around. I'd be curious to see if an environmental study was, was done on that before uh, the, the project moved forward. Yeah. And tonight, I understand uh, if I, I checked your council, uh, not council agenda, I'm sorry, the development committee agenda tonight. You're going to perhaps look at a similar situation out in Elm Grove where that Chayo's, the new restaurant, which, by the way, is a great restaurant. I love the food.
4: You know, I've not tried that yet. I've, I've read and heard that, but I've not tried it yet.
2: Give it I a shot because you, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's it's good stuff. Uh, we, we frequently pick up from there and, and, and bring it home. And the pricing is very good as well. But they also have, and I'm guessing it's an LVL, but I don't know, based on the agenda item, uh, a similar request for, Uh, declaring it an economic development zone or whatever. I forget how the phrasing is, but that goes before Development Committee again tonight. Sounds to me like uh, maybe another effort to do this as well.
4: Well, again, yeah, um, LVLs are popular. LVLs make money. People like them. Again, if I were, uh, you know, playing economic god and saying what we could and can't do in the community, I probably wouldn't want to see so many LVLs, but, um, you know, the state has made them legal. Um, They are, um, you know, a lot of people who who run them have success running them. People like them. I, I you know, I don't think council's role here is to play. You know, uh, is to play mom or dad and say no, this is not good yeah. for you. I, I mean, people have to choose what they want to do. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it, it, yeah. in that particular situation, I haven't seen the staff report. I will get the staff report. I believe tonight at council uh, uh, on that at the development committee meeting, uh, just to see. But uh, but I've not heard any opposition either.
2: Well, again, does anybody know it's even yeah. coming up? Yeah. I, that, that's my concern. Yeah. Of yeah. course, you're not in your opposition if nobody knows. I was curious because of the last development committee. So I checked the agenda for tonight, and I see where that's uh, uh, that's that's on the that's yeah. on the agenda. But uh, I guess we'll have we'll to wait and, and see what happens there. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I first of all, as a member of the planning commission, one of the things I've always said is what you said: it is not our job to decide if a business is a good business or a bad business does it fit the zoning does it fit the meet the requirements and the code and if so you know you it's it's not our job to decide who's who's good or bad so i i concur concur with you on that and i think that's something people don't understand as a city can't just decide no we don't want you there because we don't like your kind of business Uh, and frankly let me also say this for the record I'd love to open up an LVL partner because I've looked at some of the numbers that go through
4: there. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly, a, yes. You know, uh, there's no doubt that it's, uh, you know, a lot of people in that profession have done very well. And, you know, it is popular. Now, again, it's, I guess an issue, um, you know, I know folks who, I've come across folks in my life who have gambled perhaps a little too much. So I know gambling can be an addictive problem for a lot of folks. But at the same time, I also know folks who go there and if they have 20 bucks they want to spend and they damn fine it's not for me i've never actually been to an lvl parlor and participated but you know they're all over the place for a reason because people like them and uh, you know that's an issue that i don't think it's council's job to say no we don't like this um it's just it's it's one of those things you just have to kind of grin and say all right well, I'll be, I'll let the free market pick it up i mean like work through it here and it, as you said like, th- like that's what the market is calling for because there is demand i don't think council should say no to that
2: Mr. Mayor, I'm out of time. I wish we had more time because I want to talk to you about um, this Parkersburg ordinance that was passed uh, banning camping on public sure. property and whether or not that's something the city might want to look at. And I also want to uh, continue our conversation you know I have had over the Life Hub. But I am out of time for right now, so maybe we'll do this again sometime in the fairly near future. Uh, in the meantime, uh, council tonight, and uh, we'll be talking about council tomorrow, I'm sure, on the show. And then uh, tomorrow afternoon, it's the, are you out? No, you're out. Are you out tomorrow for the mayor's show?
4: I am in. The vice mayor is actually on his first vacation since we've been on council together. So he will miss his first council meeting tonight and miss the show tomorrow. So Dean Connors is going to be my guest. Oh, uh, that'll be exciting. Or a a co-host, and then we have a guest coming as well.
5: So uh, we'll
4: Well, do our best to fill in. We'll look
2: for you tomorrow afternoon here on the Watchdog at 12 o'clock. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I appreciate it.
4: Thank you, Howard. Take care.
2: A little behind time. Well, a lot behind time. I am sorry. It's 9 o'clock. ABC's already covering the world. Told in 52, I would never. Kidnapping her, arrested after leaving a ransom.